episode 84 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, video games. My name is Andrew. And I am Derek. And today we're doing Assassin's Creed 4. Uh, probably the most timely entry in this series so far <laughs> in terms of my my timeliness playing it. And then yeah. us actually being able to sit down and record the episode. Because I think it was with Assassin's Creed 3... I'd beaten it, and every time we tried to record it, something would come up. One of us would be busy. Like, we would have to cancel last minute, and we, that just went on for weeks until eventually we, we did it. But I beat Assassin's Creed 4 yesterday, so we're getting on top of this one. It uh, is fresh as can be. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I, I, I won't have any problem remembering the plot because I played through pretty much most of it over the weekend. Uh, so it should be a fun time. Yeah, and it's this is the one that is also probably the closest in my memory of. I mean, I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah, <laughs> they come I out mean, in a certain order, but uh, yeah. I mean, I played this in 2015, so it's only yeah. been six years. Yeah, I'm so pretty close, but so and this is your favorite game in the series, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the, hopefully, uh, there's a little more goodwill to be shed here, than. Uh, than the last one. <laughs> um, and spoiler alert, there is. Uh, yeah, so let's just get right to it. This is this came out when? 2014? Uh, 20, yeah, I think 2014. I, ju- I just saw when I was on that website. Yeah, so... No, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember October it launching... I remember it launching with the PS4. Which... Yeah. Did the PS4 come out in 2013 or 2014? 2013 so oh, that damn. it came out a month before for i think last the previous gen and then it was on launch yeah. day for uh the ps4 yep yeah okay yeah that makes sense kind of like valhalla did for last year although yep. it might yeah. have been a little uh shorter of a gap but yeah so this came out in uh in 2013 it is the first game that does not prominently feature Desmond. So the Desmond saga is more or less concluded. They make reference to him a fair bit in this game, and it's clear that this is a continuity of the Desmond, like like events, like that story, yeah, like, like <laughs> clearly had impact on the, the world at large, I guess. And this directly it, follows up from that. It did matter a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they have made it. They made it clear with this game that they are kind of stepping away from it and i say kind of in real big air quotes because there's some stuff that they do with the story of this game um but similarly to them kind of moving on from the desmond thing is now they're this is the first game in the series where they take the approach of we are going to pick a time period that's very distinct very recognizable uh I, they no, they because they kind of did it with with the American Revolution, but they were still in that kind of interim period of transitioning away from Desmond, ending the Desmond story. Um, so this is, but this is the first one without Desmond, where they are committing to a new direction for the series. Where this time they're like, "Hey, it's a pirate game. You know pirates, right?" So they are distinctively doing pirates. Uh, and then I think from here they do a number of different uh, settings and and themes. So... Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I, right, that I think that's uh, part of what makes this game so well received when yeah. it came out. Yeah, I mean it, it was it's, it was clear playing this game that they were much more focused. They had a clear vision on what they wanted to do uh with not only its gameplay but its story uh and it, it is there correct me if i'm wrong but no because three came out in 2012 yes yeah. so i was yeah, gonna yeah. say that if there was a larger gap between these two then it would have made a little more sense but the fact even then that they were able to pump this out in you know just over a year it's pretty that's pretty cool too well i believe this started in development uh, just before, or just after, um, not just after, sorry, uh, just after Revelations. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Uh... Either way, the fact that they had this like going alongside or subsequently from the previous games and having it be on such a like higher level of quality is is pretty insane. Yeah. So yeah, and it's noticeable almost immediately when you start playing the game just how much more polished it is. The gameplay feels smoother. Uh, the like uh, the the pacing of it is is very well done. Like the opening area is such a departure from the the game before it before from three because they do the do the tutorial in a way that all of games of this ilk should do right where they are expositing information to you while teaching you how to do things so like the entire uh introduction to the game so in this game you play as uh edward kenway who is you find i i guess it was never really a secret but they like kind of play with the information later on in the story but he is the grandfather no he's the father of Haytham Kenway uh, yeah. and the grandfather so. of Connor um and so you play as him he's a pirate during the early 1700s uh in the Caribbean uh and so basically the game starts and he gets washed ashore uh from a shipwreck uh and he is stranded on this island with this other character who is an assassin uh, named Duncan Walpole, and the game basically introduces you to Edward's story while simultaneously teaching you, like, the basics of the game, which is just how it should be done, right? It makes way more sense than the uh, the immediate example that comes to mind is Assassin's Creed 1, where they put you in a fight pit and teach you commands for, like, 10 minutes straight. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> so th- it just, this setting was the uh, the perfect way for them to make a, a game that not only serves as a refresher for for like series fans, but also an introductory game, which I think is why it's so well received largely in the community, why it's so well regarded. Um Yeah, right. Like it doesn't rely on any game before it in the series. Uh and it it does it stands you know, on its own and there, there, I guess there's, you know, there's many reasons why why people call it, you know, it's not even actually a Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is though, so I, I kind of, I played the whole game with that mentality, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, it's actually a pirate game, but it's got the Assassin's Creed tag on it. But like, based on what I've played so far, it's still a pretty good Assassin's Creed game. Like, no, yeah, oh, yeah, it definitely, it definitely is uh still a very good assassin's creed game. yeah like the the assassin's creed parts of it where you're actually sneaking around and killing people are like what some of the best made sections of that style in the series yeah like the it's just the game was so many intricacies of this game were designed just much more smooth and polished than that of its predecessors for like when you are like the that you have the stalking zones now, which are like kind of spread throughout uh, all of the world, because most of these uh, the locations in the game, being in the Caribbean, are uh, kind of lush and tropical. So there's a lot of bushes around and a lot of yeah. like, dense uh, foliage, and so a lot of the game uh, and the stealth parts of the game rely on you sneaking through said foliage and and picking off people which like is how assassin's creed should be right like you should be able to feel like a stealth master and run around and and you know kill people unscathed and it it's much more achievable to do that in this game than it was in like any of the games before it oh yeah definitely and like i relish every single one of those moments in in a game like this because it's it like that's what it feels like the core mechanic of the game should be is to remain stealthy but in so many of the games before you just end up fighting hordes of enemies and that's not really what i'm looking for in this yeah oh yeah like right yeah this game embraces the stealth while while the the previous kind of uh i'm trying to think of like what because right like most of the time you're not even being stealthy you're just like hiding in plain sight which i don't yeah. like and it's... that and this game still suffers from that as well like there's i think a number of of the aspects of all assassin's creed games that they all suffer from for example the like in a game like this there's a lot of 
logical fallacies that it it's plagued by like like you said hiding in plain sight where i will <laughs> kill a guard in the general vicinity of another guard but not within the radius that the game detects that guard would see me from yeah <laughs> but in any realistic circumstance like i'm right within his eye shot so he should in theory be able to see me but i just pop out of a bush kill a dude and then pop back down and he acts like nothing happened which is pretty funny all things considered but it's def it's definitely a uh trope that like all stealth based like game action games yeah kind yeah, of, yeah. uh can't they can't get rid of it like yeah. even in the newest hitman game that came out this year that is like best known for kind of that that hiding in plain sight gameplay mm -hmm. you still can like kill a guy five feet from another guy and they'll have no idea yeah i mean at least with hitman though i think hitman is a little more tongue-in-cheek with it where they're like they're, they're very oh, self-aware yeah. of it they definitely embrace it a little more than than yeah the whereas assassin's creed. assassin's creed is i think takes itself way too seriously for that kind of thing to be just purely funny but it's still like you know suspension of disbelief all that yeah uh but yeah so it was it was pretty funny to do that sometimes uh but i think the last game in the series that really embraced the stealth part of it was was brotherhood i think uh at least it, maybe revelations too revelations kind of had a different vibe going for it but three was kind of way reverted back to the assassin's creed one just fight a bunch of dudes yeah, it, it and it's it's that issue of of them in three trying to reinvent the wheel again and like redo those mechanics and they end up yeah they like it, it's happened it's not the first time it's happened in the series and it's not the last time it'll happen in the series as we yeah. go through this. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, uh, that, I'm sure. That stealth aspect gets kind of beefy you know, or. Uh, pushed to the side every time they try to reiterate on this series and it, and it kind of sucks in sometimes but yeah. when it works well like in in brotherhood revelations 4 it makes the game so much more uh enjoyable yeah because it i mean i guess it depends what you're looking for in a game like this because this you know if you're looking for it for like a stealth action game then you know it's a pretty hit or miss whether you're actually going to get that but if you're looking at it for just a like a free running experience that a lot of the, ge the games will hit the mark for that uh oh, yeah yeah but, and the thing with this game is that it hits pretty much all of those marks better than most of the games that have come before it because the free running in this game is some of the smoothest in the series so far the controls are actually responsive and the the like free running paths and the wall climbing paths that you can take uh are like much more receptive to the player than they have been ever where like mm -hmm. it, it was so frequent in previous games where i would be on a wall and i'm at, like hitting a direction on the control stick to climb in a in a, in a direction and the game just wouldn't detect that that's the way i want to go or like there were it, like the games wanted you to go a, a very specific route most of the time when you were mm -hmm. climbing a wall but this game kind of does away with that in that in a lot of the cities especially there are so many paths for you to climb up something that almost every path is just the right path and like so there's very little uh times when you actually like get stuck climbing something and that was so refreshing because i hated wasting my time trying to get up something when it like it was such a minor obstacle mm -hmm. but it's such a major part of the game that it happens so often so being able to actually just smoothly get up things was such such a palate cleanser um and then outside of the the free running stuff you know this game fulfills a completely different role entirely from the rest of the series which is that there's a complete other half to the game where you can just pirate roleplay, right? Which is, and that part of it was pretty cool. Like, I didn't really do much of the of the side objectives in this game, uh, and especially the pirate stuff. Like, I feel like the time sink required for me to really get into the meat of all that while rewarding, uh, I just don't have time for right now. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. But what I did play and like what I did feel like, cause they, they tested the waters, no pun intended with the ship <laughs> combat in, in Assassin's Creed three, but 
you can tell that they took the lessons from that uh, and made it more polished in this game. It just felt better to pilot your ship in this game to be in ship combat. Uh, the upgrades for your ship felt impactful when you bought them. Uh, there's one moment in the game where you play, you control an, like a another ship that's like way further upgraded than you, and it feels amazing. Just the the pure upgrade of it, you're like, holy shit! Like this is a really intense upgrade. Yeah. Um, so this game does a lot. How did you not get? So you didn't upgrade your ship all the way. Uh, no. And to be honest, I pretty much didn't upgrade it at all. Like, oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, I got through most of the game without having to upgrade it, and then I got to a point where I like needed to if I needed if I wanted to be able to continue. Because yeah. a lot of the, I think what the game does well is that in its required story missions, it balances the, uh, the pirate parts and the assassin parts. Uh. So, like, probably half of the missions will be naval missions where you're on your ship, you have to sail physically to each destination, at least for the first time. You can fast travel once you've been to a location. Um, mm -hmm. But, so, a lot of the game will be you sailing, and sailing doesn't really take a long time, but on the way, you'll have to, you know, avoid islands to, you know, not have your ship die. Uh, and you'll probably also run into enemy ships. You know, you're a pirate, and the Caribbean is being... Uh, occupied by the British military. So you're constantly on the run from, from the Brits. Uh, so there's always stuff to look out for. And there's a bunch of, you know, kind of side objectives to find along the way. A lot of hidden hidden islands, hidden treasure. Um, so the naval missions are that. And then once you actually do get to the islands, that's where the assassin missions come in. Uh, and then you kind of stealth around and, and kill people. Uh, and so it was a it was a really great balance, you know, because if it was any other of the Assassin's Creed games, like the like three for example, in three you kind of had to do the same thing where you would ride on horseback through the frontier, but that just wasn't as fun because it's yeah. just like there's not a lot to do in in between that, and it's really close to the same gameplay, but you're just on horseback. And the way that the Frontier was designed, it was pretty obtuse trying to get around and pretty cumbersome most of the time. So changing that to sailing on the ocean uh, was a much better way to do it. It, like, yeah, right. there's so much more you can, as a player, experience like with that, like the openness of of the ocean, obviously, and oh yeah, uh, th it, it's something that um, like they they try to kind of replicate that in Odyssey again, uh, with with the ship, but it it like they don't the the, the like island hopping worlds aren't like populated and interesting enough to to make you want to kind of um you know, experience that. I know, like, one of my favorite things from, from 4 was the legendary ships that I don't think you encounter them till, like, mid-way through, through the game when, like, your ship starts getting upgraded more and more and you can, like, actually eventually take them on. But, like, to see, you know, you see them off in the distance and, yeah, you know... Yeah, like the, it's, like the it's, level 60 Mana Wars or whatever? Yeah, it's like the Queen, you know, Queen Anne Reven Ram's Revenge, oh, yeah, and, you know, yeah. these legendary ships that, and then, like it definitely i know for me it like drove me to like all right i gotta like i want to upgrade my ship so i like my ship can take on like this you know giant behemoth of a of a ship and it there's definitely more to like convince you to take part in that part of the game as opposed to like right other yeah. other like the frontier there's nothing and uh, I guess right, it, like the other maybe the other game that kind of does it well is is Brotherhood, where you have like you're just running through the streets of Rome, and so there's mm -hmm. things in the streets of Rome to like catch your eye and and like oh maybe I want to do this, maybe I want to do that, maybe I want to upgrade these shops. Like it's it's so weird how many things from game to game like just fluctuate. Yeah, and I think that part of the reason that this game is so enticing at it is that the pirate and assassin mentalities kind of go hand in hand, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, uh, you know, assassin assassining is more of a of a creed of a code. There's more uh, order to it, uh, but it's kind of the same mentality where they kind of go where they want, you know, kill people, uh, 
kind of how they see fit. There, there's a little bit of, of moral gray area there, but it, but the the same kind of rules apply where you you go uh, island by island. You're like looking for buried secrets and killing people. Mm. Uh, you know, keeping people off of your hit list and in the end fighting Templars, I suppose. But the the so a lot of the like superficial aspects of the game of the pirate side of things just makes sense for an Assassin's Creed game because it, they introduced concepts like this back in two with the tombs where mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm. game, instead of those tombs, you have like these Mayan puzzles, these like these riddles built into the world itself that you can only also see because you have Eagle vision. Uh, and there's also like treasure maps that you can uh, look at. And th- so the treasure map will be a physical map of a location in the game. And then it'll show you the coordinates. Uh, it'll show you like a map of the, of the landscape. And then you can go find buried treasure, which is like fucking awesome. Of course, why would you not include that in a pirate game? Um, and so a lot of the, a lot of the pirate and assassins stuff just, it it really made sense that they would be inter interwoven as they were. Um, but I think we should uh, probably get into the story of this game since it is. I think it like the gameplay itself is enough to I think to drive somebody through it. But they actually put a good story in the game too, like which is the crazy thing because everything in the series so far has been so hit or miss. You know, it's either you know, a good mix of gameplay elements and a decent story or like a really good story, but like kind of shitty gameplay. But this is, I, I feel like they hit both nails on the head here. So yeah, and as right. I, yeah, as I mentioned before, you start, you play the, through this game as Edward. He is a pirate. Uh, he left his life in Wales to become uh, a pirate to, to get rich as I believe was his goal. Um, and so when you start the game, Edward is already a, a like a fairly well-known pirate. Like he has uh, pirateering buddies. They have their own little se- settlement uh, in Nassau. And so uh, the so as I mentioned, you start off the game and you get shipwrecked. You run into Duncan Walpole, who is an assassin. Uh, and so through Ed, you know Edward's kind of ways, he kills Duncan and assumes the identity of him because Duncan seems to have some interesting things going on about him. He has a uh, a map and this like kind of weird glass artifact that can really only it, it like really only makes sense contextually if you had played game Assassin's Creed games prior to it because it's kind of that same ethereal supernatural vibe. Yeah. Uh, it, it's almost like an Apple of Eden but not quite. It's not really the same like design. Uh, and so uh, Duncan tells Edward of the, of like a meeting that he was supposed to have gone to. So Edward kind of assumes that role, assuming that he is going to get paid out for whatever job Duncan was doing. Uh, and so you travel to Havana and Duncan or Edward, assuming the ro- the identity of Duncan uh, ends up going to this meeting where he is meeting with Templars. And it turns out that Duncan was an assassin betraying the assassins to join the Templars, uh, which I already, like, that circumstance, that scenario was so intriguing to me. Because not only, like, Edward joining the assassins is one thing, but immediately giving him a reason to get entangled with the Templars instead of just shoehorning them in as, like, oh, Templars bad, you know? Yeah. That was it was very well done, uh, very interesting because Edward, as a pirate, exists in this gray area where he isn't exactly aligned with either side yet. He's kind of just doing what benefits him the most, which is what a pirate would do. It just makes sense, you know. <laughs> um, and so after he does that, he travels to uh, back to Nassau. Nassau. I think the I feel like the pronunciation of that was always mixed around through the game. Could have just been from their from their accents though. Yeah, I I mean I don't I think think it has like a NASA like NASA I think is yeah the, close. the closest. <laughs> yeah, either way I always pronounce it differently every time. Uh, 
but they, uh, yeah, so he basically travels back to Nassau, uh, kind of moving on from that, except the thing about him, and this is kind of where it borders the, like, protagonist syndrome thing, where he's like, oh, he has a special ability. He, there, I believe at, at a certain point, it's referred to as the sense, which I believe is the eagle vision. Uh, where it's like, oh, you know, there's this certain genetic quality about Edward that kind of drives him into the mentality of, of the assassin's way, right? Mm-hmm. Where he, there's one thing kind of from that experience with the Templars that keeps driving him, and it's that whatever uh, he just delivered to them was really important, and they mentioned something specifically called the observatory, and that kind of lingers over him for the rest of the game it fuels his curiosity where like he's still doing his pirate job uh but he he kind of keeps bringing it up to people he's like i just gotta find this observatory because it you know that will then make me rich enough to just to to settle right like i'll have all the riches in the world um which is a very even though i think it kind of gets along the chosen one like line that i'm not really a fan of in most media and stories like this it i think is a reasonable enough motivation for edward uh instead of it's at least better than anything that connor did like yeah oh man um so the so he kind of stumbles into that and in uh, in nassau he also runs into a lot of familiar pirate faces at least recognizable to the common person where you have uh blackbeard and uh fuck what was his name Vane, but i don't remember it's charles Vane, i think benjamin charles Vane. yeah uh, and captain kidd um or at least james kidd i don't know if there's multiple iterations of the pirate named kidd but that would be the one there i think she's technically the father uh no captain kid is would would be like her dad but it's not her dad because she's pretending to be his kid okay yeah well either way there's a character named james kid and they are also a pirate uh so Basically, they he is trying to convince the other pirates to help him find Nassau, and he kind of the the thing that did strike me as a little weird playing through this game is that it's kind of like he gets a buddy cop episode, which with each of them, where <laughs> like kind of he pairs up with each one of them individually at one point to go on missions. Um, you learn that kid as i mentioned was like was already a part of the assassins um and so as a result he kind of ropes you into their way and their creed and he like he is the one who senses that you have quote-unquote the sense and as a result kind of takes you in but even still edward isn't like like they make it explicitly clear that edward is not welcome to the assassins he did not uh, uh, earn his way into their creed. He just happens to have a kind of aligned goal with them. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like enemy of my enemy is my friend type of deal. Where like he doesn't like the Templars either, but he's not really aligned with the Assassins. It was a, uh, it was kind of weird. But also, I like that throughout the entire game, almost Edward exists outside of the the boundaries of either party because I feel like it was so. It's so easy for this game's like uh doctrine to fall under assassins good templars bad and they played mm-hmm. with it a little bit with hate them but i really wanted them to explore that gray area a little more and this is uh, i think one of the ways that they did it uh and they did it pretty well um so you basically the rest of this game the like the meat of it is edward is kind of going uh, and picking off Templar and British personnel because the, the Templars are kind of working in cahoots with the British military because that's kind of how this whole series has been framed so far is that the government has, you know, secret officials working with them um, from the Templars. 
Uh, and so he's kind of enlisting the help of his pirate friends. They're kind of at odds the whole time. Uh, kind of one by one, the, you know, Edward, it's almost like a back and forth deal where Edward will pick off one of the Templar leaders and then one of his pirate friends will die. You know, like there's this whole thing with Blackbeard Mm -hmm. and there's always, and there's like a bunch of betrayals and, and reveals. And like all of that is a lot of, I think character stuff, or at least the, the purpose of that wasn't necessarily to further the plot, but more so to build Edward as a character, uh, which I really liked because like, unlike Connor, Edward was actually a pretty decently, uh, like fleshed out character and you could tell that he has this these like moral quandaries and and he's like growing and changing and you can see his mentality his motivation change as the game goes on um you eventually learn stuff like james kidd is actually a woman mary reed who is also another uh famous pirate um you uh run into let's see blackbeard i think gets like it's all it's really weird because since they're all pirates too they uh they're not exactly friends but they they are because like they're there are many moments when you're interacting with these characters that they are friendly to you but i feel like they would also stab you at any given moment Mm -hmm. yeah like like the the minute it would you know uh benefit them to stab them yeah right that's that's as far as all their relationships kind of go in that pirate lifestyle yeah exactly it's until like i can gain something from not needing you or then like you're my best friend but after that like yeah i'm gonna try and kill you (laughs) and the same thing happens because i think i think it's hornigold one of the pirates who you were chummy with at the beginning of the game turns to the templars and that and like i think that happens a couple of times like there's a lot of switching sides and it's the very very typical like dramatic storytelling kind of deal with this kind of like opposing warring sides uh mm-hmm. story um but there's this whole thing with blackbeard where he is your friend and he gets like a very uh bittersweet farewell where like he kind of finds peace within himself but then is attacked and beheaded because the you know he has like a hit out on him or whatever mm-hmm um, and then I, I think at a, it was actually very early on too. I forgot to mention the uh, part of the finding the observatory thing is there is a character known as the Sage, and that's what the Templars are looking for. Um, and so the Sage is this character who is reborn throughout the generations, kind of like the Avatar. Uh, and so the Sage is born with the memories of the race that came before. Uh, the race that Juno and Minerva from the Ezio saga are, or the Desmond saga, I should say. Uh, and so he is born with memories of somebody from from that uh, race, and as such, he knows, you know, secrets of the world, and in more specifically this game, where to find the observatory. Uh, and so they're kind of looking for that character, and. Uh, Edward, as a result, is also looking for that character because he would too like to find the observatory. Um, and so, eventually, uh, Edward does find the sage, and the sage kind of, you know, agrees to team up with him and takes him to the observatory. The observatory is this location that you can tell if you had played games before that it has a very similar architecture to uh, the ancient race buildings, where it's like very like rectangular very uh like looks like an ancient futuristic thing like if you've ever seen yeah if you ever if you've ever seen code lyoko there's like this one area one location in code lyoko that looks very similar to this um but it's like very abstract very like i guess arty uh artistic rather um it's it's definitely the i feel like it's the uh Like, that's how everything that has a um, kind of ancient futuristic place, that's yeah. it, it all kind of looks like that. Yeah, it, it has that same vibe to it. Uh, but either way, so it's a location kind of tucked away in the Caribbean somewhere. Uh, and there is this mechanism where if you are given, uh, if, it, if you give it like a sample of somebody's blood, 
you're able to essentially spy on them from their perspective from anywhere in the world. So as long as you have somebody's blood, you can spy on somebody at, you know, at your willing. Which, of course, the Templars want to gain control over people, and, and uh, Edward doesn't really know that what's what's at the observatory. He just knows from an outside perspective that it is some place of great importance, so he wants to go there to try and get money. Uh, but he ends up kind of getting roped into this bigger picture. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, eventually, uh, Edward... Uh, kills the sage, I believe, kills the rest of the Templars, uh, and then I think he... The thing that this game does too, and this is, I think, maybe the one thing that bothered me, is that it just... It will do like a one-and-done mission with each of the characters, and then you'll run into them again later, only for them to die immediately. And that happens with 90% 90% of the characters in this game, at least the important ones, right? You know, you have characters like Steed Bonnet, who is awesome. Uh, who is like kind of a more of a joke character, but he is present throughout the whole game. But most of the like important, like figurehead characters of the game, like Blackbeard, like uh, Mary Reed, like, um, like, uh, no, Thatch is Blackbeard, um, like Charles Vane, like they all kind of just the end of their stories are they die and i was just like hmm did we really yeah. need to kill all of them well i and it's 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 i don't know it's kind of a weird spot because it's like well that's that's what happened they all died is yeah <laughs> like, is that like actual history yeah all, like, i mean all quick the quick succession all these, like that yeah uh like that was kind of the end of the golden age of piracy is when all these like big yeah i say charles vane 1721 mary 1721 benjamin hortigold 1719 blackbeard 1718 oh well like then, uh, yeah that, shit in my dick because <laughs> yeah it's because I, I guess <laughs> yeah i mean i guess it's true it, it, it just feels i think a little accelerated in this game because in the set in the structure of an Assassin's Creed game, we are playing through memory sequences that aren't right. necessarily tied to the actual chronology of of history, right? Like we are playing through an accelerated version of of history. So I guess it makes sense and I'm glad that it's historically accurate because that's that's really cool. You know, like I totally dig that. But from a player's perce- perspective, it did feel especially having played it in in the brunt of forty eight hours. <laughs> uh, it did feel a little rushed in that regard, but uh, I. But now that I know that it is like historically accurate, I have a, a newfound respect for it. Um, so yeah, he ends up killing all of the Templars, and he essentially the like whoever pirates are left, and the assassins who he has now made friends with, uh, and I guess officially unofficially joined. Um, they kind of all get together and are chummy and they form this new like civilization slash like community. Um, and he goes on his way. He goes back to, to being a pirate now that he is welcome with the assassins, but also doesn't have this observatory hanging over him. He, he, I think, or does he sail back to England? Because there is a post credit scene where he is back in England with Haytham as a young boy. Yeah, I think he like eventually retires from it all and goes yeah. back to uh, to England, and that because right he he has a daughter. Yes, that's and I born. was about to yeah I was about to bring that up is that there throughout the entire game they insert flashbacks of uh, his previous life, his pre pirate life with uh, his wife. Um, shit, I forgot her name. Uh, it was Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So his wife Caroline uh, at home, and it's a lot of, you know, scenes of him feuding with her about how like he hates his life there and how they're so poor. So he wants to go become a pirate to to get rich so that he can support them. But she doesn't want him to leave because like, you know, she thinks that's irresponsible. She doesn't really support the decision, but he does it anyway because he's like a he's mad or something, I guess. Uh, and so when the game ends. 
you have all the knowledge of what happened with Caroline, except for the fact that they have a daughter. And that's how the game ends, is Edward's daughter like uh, arrives where he is on a ship, and then he just goes to sea with his daughter. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know you existed before this, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I, but... They, they, like the, there was a brief snippet of dialogue between the two uh, characters, and the dialogue in general in this game, by the way, is very well written, very well performed as well. Uh, and the so there's this like brief scene of dialogue between Edward and his daughter, who oh, shit, now I forgot her name. Uh, Jennifer. Yeah, Jenny. That's right. Uh, so there's a dialogue between them where they're kind of talking about how things went, and and she she's like mom said you left her <laughs> or, or, or mom said you left or something like that. Like she's very, she seemed very like, like one of those cool self-aware kids. Like, you know, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the ones that like kind of gets it already. <laughs> but, uh, so that was, that was neat. Um, but the, uh, from what you know of Edward and Caroline before, uh, I think that they're, that the way that they handled that part of Edward's story was also, it it was, fine you know like it wasn't too overbearing but i also like didn't really need to know his motivations for becoming a pirate as a whole like because it's it's this odd theme with edward the whole time where he's a pirate and he's very good at pirating he's very well respected but he's also just like inherently a good person which is i guess the protagonist part of him showing its teeth yeah yeah um where like sure he's a pirate but he doesn't want to like do wrong by people you know he's a stand-up guy so he, he doesn't kill people that don't need to die <laughs> yeah i guess he only kills people that are bad like yeah it, no it's definitely like they tried to make a pirate as good as they possibly could without i guess like ruining the fact that he's also a pirate yeah and i guess they did a good job the like it, if they fumbled the flashbacks part uh, then I think it might have been a little bit more muddied, but I think they did a good job. Because I, I really like Edward, you know? He's a very cool character. Uh, and so that is the Edward part of the story. But what <laughs> Assassin's Creed game would it be if it didn't have an out-of-the-animus section? <laughs> uh, and so we're done with Desmond at the very least, but there is still a portion of this game where you play as a character who is outside the animus. Uh, and so I actually really, really liked what they did with it. Uh, so the way it works in this game is that you are an employee at Abstergo who is now branded as Abstergo Entertainment a video game company, and they are not at all trying to hide the fact that it is a direct parallel to Ubisoft Montreal. <laughs> I believe, actually, like, it, like because in the beginning of the game, they said, we released a video game called Assassin's Creed 3, or Liberation, or something like that, right? Yeah, like, there's they, definitely they, some... <laughs> they made Assassin's Creed a canon video game series in the Assassin's, in Assassin's Creed, Creed world, which is, like, <laughs> hysterical. Like, I loved that. Um, so you basically, you play as this nameless employee, and I think that's the part that made this work, is that you aren't a character. Uh, you're just kind of experiencing the story that is still progressing on the outside. You just serve as a vessel for that. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, you are an employee, and what they're doing with the Animus program now is they have employees go and experience the memories which they then capture as footage to gather to like basically use as reference and experience for uh creating video games movies etc uh and so this whole thing but you can also tell throughout the events of the game that there is ulterior motives to that where the kind of the higher ups at abstergo are still templars uh so the templars want the assassins memories to you know gain secrets gain knowledge of the secrets of the world uh and they they keep talking of desmond as if he was you know they're like oh yes desmond desmond miles this you know great hero oh what a tragedy you know but they also like used his dna to open up this whole avenue of possibility for themselves 
So, so they're looking through Edward Kenway to try and find the observatory, and that's basically what they're doing with that. But not only that, but also to learn about the Sage, who, as I mentioned, is a generationally reborn character. So uh, that those are kind of the Templars' goals uh, with Edward. And so the through there are several sections in which you go outside of the Animus in this game, and eventually you get contacted by uh, this fellow called John from IT. Uh, and John from IT is this kind of unhinged character who is, like, he is the head of IT, so he gives you, like, security clearance to things, and he basically, mm-hmm. like, has you hack into other people's computers and, like, find information for him, hack into, uh, like, you know, camera footage and stuff. Uh, and so he's essentially working on the inside, uh, and eventually you learn that he, he is in cahoots with, uh, Sean and Rebecca from the old Assassin's Creed games. And that was, you know, kind of fun, uh, to, to see them. They don't play a major role, but you do interact with them a couple of times. Um, so that was a fun little nod to them. Uh, uh, but eventually, you know, John from IT becomes more and more unhinged as the game progresses. After the, I think, second or third job that you do for him, uh, like the character f- that you are playing as encounters uh, Juno or Minerva, one of them. Uh, and they basically like talk to that player. Um, and it is assumed from what John from IT says that apparently what was supposed to, quote-unquote, happen... Uh, is that Juno was supposed to inhabit the body of the person you were playing as, but for some reason didn't. And as such, John from IT was really upset. And you're kind of like, okay, what's going on there? And then after you beat the game, after you finish Edward's part of the game, you learn that John from IT was the sage, but this modern version of him. Uh, and so he kind of goes insane because he doesn't understand why Juno didn't take over your body, and then he die, and then he ends up getting killed by security. Uh, and so then your character is in the clear. The funniest part about this is that the entire time your character is like doing all of these like you know hacker jobs and like stealing information from the company, and just kind of gets off scot free. They're like, oh yeah, you're doing great work, you know, good job, employee. So, it was pretty funny. I, I I ended up really enjoying the outside animus parts because they don't overstay their welcome, and I think the nuggets of information they played with, the self-awareness of it all, it was all very cute. It was all cool. Yeah, it definitely I that it that lighter tone of it definitely helps it be a little less of a like a pain, and you don't have to take it so so seriously. Uh, and. Like, it helps that, I guess, like, right, it's not really, it doesn't feel like it's important. So, it, you like, yeah, it, when you're, like, like, confused, you're, like, not, like, well, it's okay, because this plot doesn't matter anymore, I guess. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, it's just right. that it, they, the, the, they're not putting so much emphasis on it that you feel like you need to care about it, right? Like, they... Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Because, like, Assassin's Creed 1 starts with you as Desmond, right? where you like the point the i think that the way that the series was structured initially is that the main focus of the game in a way is the outside of animus stuff and the inside of the animus the assassins part of it is just the supplementary portion of right. that because it is the assassin part that facilitates Desmond's story and eventually you know they quickly realized that wait it should be the opposite of that and they kind of they they like did their best in the next four games to try and find that balance and never really quite did um but this is the game the first game where it's very clear like no the assassins part is what matters sure there's still outside the animus stuff but it's it's not important we're gonna you know kind of have fun with it right uh because you start this game as edward Sure, you get pulled out pretty quickly, uh, but the portion they made it, they like made it easy for you to get through the outside of the animus portions because you have like this tablet with you at all times, which constantly has 
a an objective arrow. Yeah, which yeah. like tells you what direction you need to be going, which is like very helpful. And I wish I had that when I was playing as Desmond. So like, <laughs> basically, all you had to do was just go walk in the direction. It took like five minutes every time. It was not bad at all. Uh, so this is the first game where like, yes, the outside of the animus stuff technically matters, but you don't have to care about it. And you can like that's and that's the beauty of this game is that there are so many, maybe not so many, but there are several different avenues of enjoyment for for any individual, right? You can, you know, play it as an Assassin's Creed game, pure and simple, and enjoy it. You can play it as a pirate game and enjoy the hell out of it. Or if you're like a super hardcore Assassin's Creed fan, you can really get into the lore of it. Yeah, uh, right, yeah. So there's like several ways to do it. But that basically covers the story about this game. It is, I, I think they, how does the employee end up at the end? I think you just are an employee still. Like, there's really no resolution with the character itself because you're not a character, as I said. You're yeah, just a, right. You're just a vessel, so, like, there really is no arc for you. They're kind of like, okay, just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, no, that's right, because they, the whole time they were like, oh, we can't wait to show you what we're doing with the footage you keep finding. So they show you this, like, super generic, stereotypical action movie trailer for... That's right. ...for uh, a Pirates, basically a Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean ripoff. It's like yeah. it's called like Nightmares of the Caribbean or something. <laughs> it was fucking it was pretty hilarious. That then that I think that like context makes it even more like like this whole time you're you're playing this grand story of of Edward and it's just for this dumb like movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, they like, definitely, yeah, I, 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 like, definitely see what you're saying with how, like, they just kind of play with like the idea and this, like, th none of this really matters in this universe. Like, yeah, it's setting up some future Assassin's Creed story stuff, but like, they're like, yeah, this guy, you're, like, your job in this whole thing is just like nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so. just played 30 hours of Edward Kenway's story so we could make a, a crappy two-minute trailer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but they, uh, I guess the only other major part of the game that I have to talk about is the more, uh, supplementary stuff, like the side quests and the completion and the, uh, the sync percentage, which is something that they have still kind of leaned on, uh, where every single mission in the game has a, a sync percentage. Uh, and so you'll automatically get 80% by doing every mission just normally, but there are some additional objectives that you can do through each mission, like kill three enemies from a stalking zone or a yeah. air assassinate this this particular target. Uh, and doing those will net you 100% sync if you do all of them, or it'll get, uh, get, give you more percent sync. And the only reward for doing that is a trophy, from what I could gather. Uh, either that or an outfit. But, I, there's probably an outfit involved. Yeah, there's a lot that like the the thing that still baffles me, and this is one of those like kind of more holistic series problems that I mentioned, is that the the games just they're treating it like it's more than it is, and that this is a game that people will be playing for a long time as if it doesn't have a start and a finish and i guess this is really the first game where i understand that where like that like was there an online multiplayer version of this or like was there some sort of online connectivity because like the pi at yeah. least for, just for the pirate side of things then yeah that i get uh but at, for someone who just wants to play through the story i don't really see the point of it but i totally understand if like like it's it makes sense if you are playing the game like concurrently as it releases uh however it also kind of backfires since at least when this game came out they were still doing their yearly releases yeah and it also i want to say around this time when this game came out was when like almost every single single player game every game had some kind of like online piece as uh a piece of like dr or like to try to avoid used game sales 
-hmm. So it was like you had to have some code or whatever that like accessed this little extra online piece or whatever to try to drive used game sales down or whatever. So like it, it was minute like I think there was there was a multiplayer I want to say and then there was like some right there's some stuff in the single player that like had an online functionality but like it was all tacked on it felt like yeah uh but as for doing 100% sync to get those rewards yeah uh, probably not worth your time no. uh, especially just because like the amount of dedication and work needed to go in to getting 100% in this game is just way too time-consuming for such a little reward, you know? And that's something they haven't really nailed, and I hope they kind of figure out in the games. Like, at least in, I think, 2 and Brotherhood and maybe Revelations, like, the costume you get makes you undetectable by guards. But, again, the problem with it inherently lies in that in order to get 100% sync, you need to beat the game. So then what are you going to use the costume for? Right, right. Because, like, you've already beaten it, so unless you're just running around for no reason, there's nothing left for you to do in the game. So, like, unless you really, really love the game so much that you're just running around aimlessly, then, like, there's almost no purpose. But that's fine. You know, if people wanted to dedicate the time to that, then by all means, do it. It's your prerogative, but that'll never really be something that, that reaches to me. Uh, I did spend yeah. the time to, I think, 100% one island just to do it. Uh, and it was a pretty smooth experience for the most part. Uh, but I can't really see myself doing that 20 times over. Uh, especially with this game, once you get into finding all of the hidden bits and like the and upgrading like all of the ship parts and capturing all the forts and hitting every island and finding all the buried treasure. It's like, that's just so much but it's it's there for the people who want it which is great yeah um all right well i think uh we've just about exhausted the tank here so we're gonna i'm gonna go ahead and uh move on to the part where i give it a number derek what would you uh in your ancient wisdom give this game uh i think i would have given like a, a solid four like, yeah, I think I'm there with you. Like, I don't know if I could in good conscience give any Assassin's Creed game a 5, because I think that there is some level of inherent flaw to each of them, just based on oh, their yeah. gameplay structure. But they're still very enjoyable games, so I would give this, like, like this is this is probably, maybe, I'm, I'm really struggling with whether I think this is better than 2 or not, but it, like, okay. it's, it's close. Like, they're at the very least equal with each other, right? Like, I can't decide which one is better, which speaks to the quality of this, because 2 was far and away the best game in the series for me so far. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I think this game is a solid 4. It's as close to a 5 as an Assassin's Creed is going to get. Like, 4.5 is, I, if like we were using a 10-point scale, would be what I would give it, I think. But I would also yeah. give a 4.5 to Assassin's Creed 2, so that it really doesn't solve anything. Uh, <laughs> it's like a, a 4.5 and then a 4.51 <laughs> yeah uh, uh but yeah i i definitely uh, like i i definitely i think would be the other way around where where like i would say both this for me like f four and brotherhood are like solid fours for me but i put four just a tad over brotherhood in that aspect yeah yeah, this is this might be one of those situations where my opinion flip flops on the day. You know, one day I'll say that four is better because like there's a lot of things I like that four did that I like way better than two, but there's a lot of things that two did that I like way better than four. So mm -hmm. it's uh it's kind of a coin flip, but they're both very good games, and I'm really glad that the series finally found some kind of form before whatever shit storm comes next. <laughs> <laughs> it at least right the, the the it has rogue in its legacy which i think is like the next isn't game, by the way is oh so are you playing rogue next rogue is the next game yeah oh nice so it goes rogue unity syndicate and then origins odyssey valhalla all right i will i think i'll play rogue oh nice i because so, those have you, is so which ones haven't you played rogue syndicate and 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 uh unity oh okay which rogue oh, which and are the syndicate next, which are the next three 
yeah, you know, Rogan sig- sig- Syndicate, I've never touched. Yeah, uh, this is uh, this is the most unique standpoint for me in this series so far. In that Rogue onwards, I don't know a jack. I don't know jack shit about any of these games, other than that they're Assassin's Creed games. That's it. Yeah, I don't know anything about the story, the characters, the gameplay, like the iterative systems. Uh, I don't know like. I don't know anything about these games and that's what excites me. You know, all I know how to base these games off of is like the reputation I've heard from random internet discourse and that's it. So I'm very excited for this, the good and the bad. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, I will definitely, cause I, I'd never played rogue and then you'd, I, I do want to play unity again. Cause I want to f- force myself to finish it <laughs> so that we can talk about it. And yeah. And then Syndicate would be great to just finally, like, actually play. Because that's, that's another one where it's, like, people see it, like, it came after Unity, so, like, the hype around Assassin's Creed was very low. But then people generally talk pretty, uh, much better about it than they do Unity. And then yeah. Rogue, Rogue was the last, like, made for the last-gen consoles, so no one really t- talked about Rogue. Even because, especially because Unity came out and was so polarizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Unity. I feel like even the things I've heard about it, I remember when it came out and that being a huge thing because of how buggy and unfinished it was. But mm-hmm. I might be misremembering this, but I think I've heard since that it's actually gotten some updates and it's a pretty decent game now. So I'm sl- I'm hopefully optimistic, you know, yeah, or and- cautiously optimistic, I should say. There are some multiplayer elements to That's it. That's right. That, yeah, I did hear about that. Uh, I want to say the last time I tried playing it, I was like f- still forced to like it still matched made me with someone, really? and uh, it made it very difficult because like the person also didn't know what they were doing, and like we didn't <laughs> know we were. It was such a weird experience. So interesting uh i'm kind of curious to see how it goes now like even further out from this game's release <laughs> yeah well i mean we still have an entire other game to get through before we get yeah. there so uh yeah assassin's creed rogue is up next i'm looking forward to it uh i'm looking forward to the series at large from this point on i don't really know uh how timely this the next episode will be just because you know my schedule has been a, pretty much up in the air for the last month or so so i don't know exactly how it's going to continue especially with all of the upcoming game releases of fall yeah right we're starting to get to that time of year starting to get to that season yeah once september hits it's kind of no going back because we got like let's see we've got uh the new life is strange which i probably won't play but that still comes out beginning of september new warrior where death loop kena bridge of spirits uh monkey ball Far Cry 6, Metroid, Back for Blood, Demon Slayer, Battlefield, Guardians of the Galaxy, Solar Ash, Mario Party, the Pokemon in November. There's a shit ton coming out. Yeah. So, who knows, also, basically. I don't, I don't know if you have purchased Rogue yet, but it is currently on sale on PS4 for $10. Derek, I don't know if you know this, but when I decided <laughs> I was going to play through all the Assassin's Creed games, I bought all of them immediately. <laughs> Oh, did you already buy all of them? I, wow. The, and they have been all sitting on installed on my desktop since I played one. Damn. And basically, wow. so That's yeah, impressive. basically what I do is after I beat one of them, I just move it to my recycle bin. And then <laughs> that's how I know which like when, which ones I have left. I have them all, all right. lined up in order. Damn. Yeah, so that's how I know the order of them and uh it's kind of been a thing staring me down the whole time but wow, i didn't I d- know they were all on pc oh yeah yeah they're all on steam or, or oh it's only six dollars on wow on steam. yeah no i did get them all on sale which is why i did it nice um, yeah so i think that is just gonna about just hang on that's just about gonna do it i can't english uh <laughs> <laughs> for us this time i believe later this week jeff and i are planning on doing an episode on 12 minutes um so look forward to that that should be relative to when this episode comes out should be in a few days still in the same 
week. Um, so that's the plan for now. Next week we're talking about Hyper Light Drifter, which is the next backlog game. And then after Hyper Light Drifter is going to be really fun because we are going to essentially draft a whole new set of games for the backlog, yeah. which I think is going to be really internally exciting. I don't know how much of those, how many of those games, other than the one that we pick, are going to be revealed to the public. So either way, exciting stuff. Uh, you can check out Jose's stream. I don't know his schedule really anymore because he has moved and he's kind of still figuring out a bunch of stuff. Uh, but that's twitch.tv slash haywire underscore J. Uh, our show art is done by Sam Lopes and our music is done by Matt Ferrara. Um, Assassin's Creed Rogue is next. So just like the sharks in Assassin's Creed 4, we are Finn. <laughs> Thank you.